we declare in the name of Jesus victory over every enemy, every sin, every deception, anything that holds people captive. It's Jesus. Jesus, you are the one. And we declare the freedom of Jesus over transgenderism, over addictions, over homosexuality, over immorality, over the, the, the curse of divorce. We stand up and declare the name of Jesus, the name above all names that will set people free. Father, we declare the name of Jesus in physical health, over, over the health issues with Dan Peterson and Tim McCormick, For Randy, Lord Jesus, and for Vern Olson, Father, we declare the name of Jesus over every sickness and every disease. We know that you, Jesus, are the one that sets us free. You are the one that heals us. You are the one we worship today. And I pray today that as we, as we celebrate what you're doing throughout the world, it's the name of Jesus. Many people have never heard the name Jesus. And I just pray, God, that you would give us a passion and a vision for unreached peoples, people who've never had a chance and don't have a chance to know and hear the name of Jesus. And I just pray, God, that you'll anoint our time together as we ask for your direction. We ask for your power, your life today. And we just pray, God, that you would anoint James and Alyssa as they come and share what you're doing throughout the world in different places. Lord, that we would be challenged in a new way. We thank you for the freedom we have to declare Jesus. And we thank you that we can be here today to celebrate that. And we pray this in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. We have the privilege this weekend of, of some great guests. James and Alicia Wynn have been here before. I think it was probably seven years ago. I think it was, as we've re recollected, I think it was the first year we were here. So it was a while back. And we had a, a great time yesterday at the mission luncheon hearing from them and asking questions. And uh, we want to invite them today. And I'd like us to give a, a warm welcome. Uh, uh, Jim is gonna, James is going to speak first and then Alicia. So... Let's welcome uh, James this morning. Thank you, sir. Well, good morning. Good morning. Wasn't that a great worship time kicking us off? You can say amen. 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 We're going to be having amens today because I'm a little ADD hyper and I just can't help it. And then I get talking about Jesus and I love Jesus and I get really excited. So we're going to be amening today. Sorry if that's not normal, but... There we go. We got a, that's the drummer in you today, man. You get it out there. Love it. Man, it is so good to be back. I, I, we were trying to recognize, I think it's been seven years, and we're like the worst attenders ever in your church history, right? Over the last 20 years, we've been here like four times, five times. 
So, um, but in the meantime, we have been doing Jesus stuff, so I think that's good, right? We're okay with that? Um, but it is a joy to be back, and thank you, Pastor, for inviting us and having us. Thank you guys for the, the wonderful time yesterday, and then just being able to hang out and connect this morning. It's just so good to hear people's stories and hear what God's doing here in your community as well, um, as we get a chance to share about what God's been doing and the work that we've been a part of. Um, before I do that, I just want to say, on behalf of Global Partners, thank you to you as a church. Um, I know you support us, you support the Gallants, the, the Ackermans, and um, the Van Steenbergs, and just your willingness to pray and to give sacrificially has literally impacted the entire world. From South America to Europe to Central Asia to Muslim communities, you may not see it, you may not know it till you get to heaven, but there are people in the eternity now, in the, in the kingdom of God, because of your faithfulness. So thank you so much for that. That is a truly an honor for us to do what we do, and, and we get to partner with you in that, and, and it's just a joy. So um, we do just want to give you our thanks. Uh, I am James, my wife Alicia. We do have three daughters. They are not with us today. They are uh, Jared, Janae, Juliana, 20, 17, and 14. You probably remember them from um, when they were younger and, and cute, and now they're grown up to be three beautiful young ladies. And I know I've said this before, but I, it's, it's very important. We need to make this everywhere we go. People know they get their good looks from their father. Just something you need to be aware of and know that that's what happened. She's not buying that. Uh, at our home church, my, our home pastor, when I said that, he said, that's true, they did, because their mother still has hers. And you'd think I learned my lesson, but I don't. I don't. Uh, we're blessed with, with um, them, the, our three girls, and uh, being able to raise them in a, in a Muslim country. Uh, for We lived in 20 years in Central Asia, where God had led us to, to do work there. Um, and through that time... It was just amazing to be a part of all the different aspects of what God was doing. It was illegal to be missionaries there, so we had to do other forms. We did um, humanitarian work through World Hope International. We were able to meet the practical needs of the, the people we were serving there. Um, at the same time, we were also able to share our stories and to, to share you know, Christ with people. And we saw house church form, and we saw people come to faith. Um, and then God just continued to move. And I think when we moved there, we, we were trying to think it through. I think there were less than 3,000 known believers in this country of 9 million. And today, the last report I heard was closer to 15,000. Um, and so in a Muslim country, to see that amount of growth uh, is just amazing. And it's exciting to see now um, local believers who are leading groups, leading things, and seeing things happen and change happen within their country. Uh, and you're a part of that. You're a part of that now. And so we, we celebrate what God has done there. 2018, we were contacted by um, Dr. Dennis Jackson, who is the uh, Global Partners um, Executive Director, and said, we've had a transition in mobilization. Uh, we are seeing fewer and fewer people go. We need more mobilizing to happen. Would you be willing to come back and serve at our home office uh, and do mobilization? And I was like, no, thank you very much. I would not like to do that. Uh, but of course, you know, being the good Jesus person, I was like, I'll pray about it. You know how you say that, but you really don't intend to pray about it. Um, but we did, and we, we, we first, we took a vote as our family, uh, five to nothing, five to zero. We've all voted, nope, we want to stay, we won't want to go. Uh, and then I told yesterday, as our oldest daughter, who was a junior in high school at the time, so she had the most to le lose by leaving at this point, said, but dad, if God wants us to do this, then we should consider it. And I was like, listen, kid, family conversation, keep Jesus out of this. We're talking right here amongst us. But... Um, 
we prayed, and, and it became very clear that God was actually leading in this direction. And, and it was, we were asked in October of 2017, I think, November and December, I just put on an epic level struggle, man. Uh, Jacob in the Bible, that wrestling, that had nothing on what I put on. Uh, and God just continually won. Man, he just wins. You just can't out-wrestle that guy. Um, uh, but it, he made it very clear that, no, this was the direction, that we were still going to be about the calling that we had. We just were going to be doing it from a different role. And that meant coming back to Indiana, well, coming to Indiana, um, living, working out of our home office, recruiting, and uh, Alicia is involved in our training and equipping. So I try to find new missionaries. She trains them up, and we send them out. And our hope and our prayer is to, to reproduce ourselves in ways that we would see more and more people go taking the gospel to the unreached. So that's where God has us now. That's the journey that we've been on. And uh, this is my season of obedience over preference. We all have those seasons in life. But God has been faithful, and he really has. And, we, and we've seen um, some fruit. We've seen some things happen. And anytime we're walking in obedience with him, we, we see God things happen. Amen? Amen. So, well, this morning I did want to share with you um, from the book of Matthew, chapter 28. And I love iPads because you make the font a little bigger when you don't have your glasses on. Uh, so Matthew chapter 28, if you have your Bibles or your phones or tablets or whatever with me and you want to turn there, uh, we're going to look at the Great Commission. And this is a verse that you probably are very familiar with, the Great Commission. You've heard it a lot. You've heard that phrase. Uh, some of you may know the verse by heart. Um, and it comes at the end of the book of Matthew. So oftentimes, I think there's this kind of uh, um, thought or belief that because it's the last thing Jesus said, it's kind of this, oh, he's ascending to heaven, and it's kind of a, a farewell, like, oh, by the way, go and, and make disciples and do this. But in reality, this, this passage was a very specific and strategic moment for Christ. It was, he built up to it, he led to it, and it was a very um, uh, thought-out plan, and this was kind of the culmination of all of his teaching the focal point of what he wanted to say to all of us. And so I want to look at this in context today as we read this. And so beginning in verse 16, I want to begin in verse 16, uh, the Great Commission. In verse 16 he says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Now I want to pause there. Because this is post-resurrection. Jesus has already died. He's risen again. He's already met with his disciples. And as far as we know... This is the only time post-resurrection where Jesus pre-announced where he was going to be. He told his disciples, go to the mountain where I, go to, this says, going to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. So he told them in advance, go to this mountain in Galilee. When he got there, it says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Well, we know it's not the 12 disciples who doubted because he'd already appeared to them. Remember Thomas? And he was like, hey, look at my hands here. I may do a dive off the stage. If I do, that's all right. Just keep going. It's fine told you I get excited ADD we're excited Jesus woo uh, he said put your hands in the holes right here remember that Thomas don't doubt anymore he had already appeared to his disciples they already knew they, they, they had no doubt the fact that it indicated that some of them doubted leads us to think there, there probably was more people here than just his disciples now I don't know about you had I been there back then and I, and I heard about this Jesus fellow who was crucified and then risen again and now suddenly we're hearing reports that he's going to be on a mountain I think I would have went to see what about you? I think I would have shown up. What? What are you talking about? One, one uh, writer says, he says that many believe Paul was referring to this moment when he says in 1 Corinthians, after that, or he was seen by Peter by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Many people believe this was the moment they were referring to. 
This wasn't the end either. He ascended actually from the Mount of Olives. That's a different place than the, in, in Galilee. It's a different location. So this mountain here that he told him to go in Galilee was a different location altogether. So this wasn't just some postscript to his, his ministry in life. This was a very intentional, specific moment. He said, I want you to go there. I've got something very important to tell you. And word got around, and a crowd came, and then Jesus showed up and said this to them, uh, continuing on. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. That's powerful. Jesus is saying to them, you, have, you, you, you saw me die. You saw me resurrect. I am here with all the authority in heaven, all the power there is. You've seen my life. You've seen how I've done miracles in the teachings. You've experienced all of this. Now go and tell the world. That's a powerful moment. Go and tell the world. Recognize this is not just somebody saying this. Who is this? This is the king of kings the Lord of lords, the creator of all things, he who gave life with his very breath. I think one of the songs said, life breather in there. I loved that. I was like, man, that's so amazing. God who created everything said, I want you to be a part of this mission, this task. And I love that. I love that. We get to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. It's not just, it's not just my mission or it's not just her mission or, or pastor's mission. It's all of our missions. As disciples of Jesus, we have been called out by him to go and take this message to the world. Tell everybody, teach them so they know and can experience the love that we've experienced. I love that. I love being a part, let's be real, I love being a part of something so much bigger than myself that I can't take the blame if it doesn't happen, Right? Like, it's not on me. If I go out and I'm obedient, people don't get saved, well, that's on you, Jesus. I mean, I, I'm doing what I'm called to do. It's like risk-free work. You can go out and you're not responsible for the fruit. We get so caught up in trying to be fruitful. And God just tells us to abide in me, remain in me, and he will give the fruit. So let's abide in him, remain in him, and walk in obedience and let God do his thing. Amen? And here's the thing. Sometimes it's like, well, I want you to go to the Muslim world. Well, there's a, there's a lot very many Christians over there. What, what in the world are we going to do? How are we going to do that? We can't do that. That's out of our strength. Remember what he said at the beginning. I, Jesus came and told us, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And then in verse 20 at the very end, he says, And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end. We're not sent out in our own strength. We're not sent out by ourselves. We're sent out with him to walk alongside him, that he will empower us, he will strengthen us, he will allow us to be on mission for him, to see the fruit when we walk in obedience. Amen? We're not alone. Oh, we get excited. Jesus. I get to do Jesus' work. I get to do something so much bigger than myself. You guys know Peter, right? Peter, love that guy. I love, I love the story of Peter, the disciple. That guy did stupid stuff and said stupid stuff all the time. And I can relate to that. You may not be able to relate to that. I can relate to that. Sometimes I'll be reading the Bible and he'll do something dumb and I'll reread it just hoping he doesn't do the same thing twice. I'm like, please don't do that again. He, he just, he's just dumb. But other than Jesus Christ, Peter's the only person I know who ever walked on water. Any of you ever walked on water? When it's not frozen? I know up here sometimes it freezes. But Now here's the question. If you had the opportunity to walk on water, would you do it? Let me see your hand. If your hand's not up, put it up because you know you would. 
And you'd have your phone, you'd take a picture, we'd have a new TikTok dance or whatever it is on the water because that's a miraculous thing. You can't do that in your own strength. You can only do that if the power of God showed up. And when we step out in faith to go do the thing he has called us to do, we are allowing ourselves open to the power of God to come and work in and through us to see the miraculous happen. It's crazy to think we can go around the world and share the gospel with everybody. It's crazy to think we can go to a country where there's 99.9% Islamic faith and so few believers that statistically speaking, they will go their entire lives and never hear the gospel. It's crazy to think we can go there and make a difference. But when we step out, God shows up and people walk on water and miracles happen and lives are changed and transformed. The kingdom of God comes. And I want to be a part of that. And I know and I hope and pray as believers, as followers of Jesus, you want that as well. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, You will be my witness telling people about me everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I love this verse. But sometimes I think we get caught up in it. It doesn't say you'll be my witnesses to Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then the ends of the earth. And it doesn't say Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and. It's a both and. So often when we travel, we hear the thing about, that's great what you're doing, but what about the people right here? They need Jesus too. Absolutely. They absolutely need Jesus. And I hope and I pray that you are living out your life right here in your community, in your school, in your workplace, and you are representing Christ, and they are seeing him in you. And I hope that you're being a witness. I hope you're serving right here. If you're not involved, I was looking at the bulletin. There's so many things. I saw jail ministry coming up and children's ministry happening. There's worship team. There's, there's so many ways to get involved in the church. If you're not involved in your church right here, I, I, I implore you, come. Talk to pastor. Talk to someone. Get involved. Discipleship groups, get involved. This is your Jerusalem. You represent Christ in your community. But it's a both and. And so while we are here engaging, we also must realize that there are places in the world where they don't have access to the gospel. In fact, four out of every 10 people, 40% of our world today are unreached. And when I say unreached, what I mean by that is, is I'm not talking about people who, who aren't Christians, who just don't go to church, who just don't. I'm talking about people who have no opportunity to hear, no access. It's hard to imagine that when we first landed within the first month uh, of August of 2000, it was. It sounds like it wasn't that far away. That was 23 years ago. You're, we're getting old. We landed. We didn't even have kids at the time. We, we, we were in the country, and one night, it, like late at night, we decided to go walk in the park. Because when you don't have kids, you can do that. You just can decide at night you're going to go walk in the park. It's so nice. Okay. Uh, I love my girls. I do. It's really fun when I say that when they're here and they get all eye-rolly and everything. But We went to a park. We met a young man. He was probably 20s, and he was, we were talking. He spoke a little bit English. We'd only been there a month. We didn't know the language at that point. And he was like, why are you here? And we didn't know what could we say, right? We didn't want to get in trouble and be like, oh, we're missionaries here. We, you know, we're being careful. And like, well, we honor God. And he's like, well, I honor God too. And, and I said, we believe the Bible. And he paused, and he looked at me and said, what's the Bible? And I was blown away. Because I, I didn't become a follower of Jesus until I was 19. I was in college. But I, I knew what a Bible was. I probably had one in my house with my name on it somewhere. We have Bibles. We have access to the Scripture. It's very hard to go to any community in, in North America and not find a church or a billboard that says Jesus saves or God loves you or something or the fish on the cars that are flying by you on the interstate. I see those a lot. I might be one. We have access. 
But this country, this young man had never heard that. Christmas time came around December. There was no Christmas. I just never, I, I just was blown away. Oh yeah, that comes, even though it's become so secularized, it's, it's because we're a Christian background nation. We have that in our hair. That's where it came from. This country doesn't have that. No access. A pastor once came and he was the numbers guy accountant and he told us that I figured out based on the number of believers here, the number of workers, the number of people, statistically speaking, the people in this country have 0% chance to hear the gospel in their lifetime. So the reality for us is when we met someone, we were probably the only Christian they would ever meet their entire life. It's crazy to think in our world today, 2023, we can, is it, yeah, we've got these things, we have more access to knowledge than ever before. We can access anything we want. And usually we just take pictures of cats and post them online. Just kidding. But this is the world we live in, yet there are still places that never heard. And it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart to think that there are people dying, having never even been told that Jesus loves them. Four out of ten people live in that today. So what are we going to do about it? How do we engage that and make that change? I'm reminded of our churches in Latin America. Global Partners sent missionaries there 100 years ago. Our first missionary in Peru taught English for 25 years because it was illegal to evangelize. One of the stories early on of of, um, a pastor there, the daughter was in her 90s when she told the story, so she was six years old at the time, so that's 90 years ago, 96 now, and now there. Went to get bread for the, the family, came back, they ate it, they all got sick, went to get help. The whole village had gathered to watch them die because they had poisoned them to try to get rid of them. Today, our churches in Latin America are exploding. They're growing like crazy. They're all led by national leaders in the countries where they're at. There are very few missionaries anymore. They are actually now starting to send their own missionaries. And I asked myself, what would have happened had we stopped sending early on when it was tough? Some of our earliest missionaries in Africa, you know, they went there on the boat ride six months and they died within the first month they were there. There's still a grave, uh, a grave site in Sierra Leone where the earliest missionaries died in the early, late 1800s they went, 1900s. It was so difficult and so hard. What would have happened if we said the cost is too high, we're going to stop sending? Because our churches in Africa today are booming and growing. They're exploding. The Wesleyan church is now larger outside of North America than it is in North America. It's on fire and God is doing amazing things. Because we said it's difficult, it's tough, but we're going to keep going. We cannot stop. We cannot stop, no matter how hard it is. We've had people in the part of the world where we live who have kicked out of their country. We've had people who've come and they've worked, and they've learned a language, and then visa-wise they're kicked out. Or they were exported or deported or whatever. One young man, uh, a friend of mine, led him to the Lord. He was a young man in college in a, in a neighboring country. His family wasn't. They were all Muslim. Uh, we, my friend and I were in a conference in the U.S. and, and it was during a, a religious holiday season and, and this young man was being beaten by his family and they were threatening him. They said, we're going we're gonna to kill you at the end of this you know, period if you haven't turned away from Jesus. And he was sending text pictures of us, you know, because the world we live in, like of all the bruises and the bleeding of the beatings he was getting. My friend and I were at a conference and we went to a broom closet and we were just praying, just like, Lord, we don't even know what to do. What, what can we do? Is, is, is it even worth it for us to take this message when people choose it, if that's what happens to them? But we can't stop. We have to keep going. 
We have to say yes, even though it's tough, even though it's difficult, even though it will cost us something. I'm going to have Avlish come up now and share a story of a, of a woman that we know in the country where we served in her journey. First met, we'll call her Nora. Uh, within the first few months that we had moved to Central Asia, she became my language teacher uh, and helped me. She would come to my house a couple times a week and we would sit and drink tea and she would teach me words and little by little sentences and began to read things together. And she was doing this for a number of other uh, foreigners who, unbeknownst to her, were also missionaries. Along the way, we were like, you know, Nora, we'd really like to, to read together. Would you help us learn to read the Bible in your language? So we began to read the Bible and, of course, had some spiritual conversations out of that. And Nora was always, she would always gently push back. And I could tell she just, she didn't agree. She was too polite to really argue. But she just, she just couldn't accept it. Over time, she began to see, you know, this Jesus guy, he's a good teacher. I could accept some of the things that he said. But she just couldn't accept that he was who we said. Well, maybe he's a good prophet. Well, over time, she began to, little by little, she, she began to see the love that these people had. She'd never had anyone celebrate her birthday for her. And we missionary ladies who were meeting with her said, you know what? We need to have birthday parties for Nora. So every year we would get together and we would host birthday parties for her. And she was just blown away by the love that these women began to show to her. And finally the day came when she said, you know, she was out, actually outside the country and completely at a loss. She was at a point where she didn't know, she couldn't get out of the airport. She didn't know what to do. And it occurred to her, you know, if this Jesus guy is real, let me pray and ask. And so she asked Jesus, if you get me out of here, and through a series of circumstances that were just amazing and she could attribute to no one else, Jesus met her there. And she was utterly transformed. She came back, and she had been kind of attending some of those house churches before, but something was different when she came back from that trip, and she became the most dedicated follower of Jesus. She was growing. She was on fire. Today, Nora is one of the most wise and godly house church leaders that we have uh, in 2019, uh, she came with us to the International Conference of the Wesleyan Church representing the Central Asian Believers. She stood before that group of international leaders and she shared her testimony of how God had worked in her and brought her to that point. And as she closed her message, she said, thank you for sending. If you had not sent, I would not be here today if you hadn't sent people like this. And don't stop sending because our country doesn't have the history of Christ followers that you do. And we still need to know what it looks like to follow Jesus. So don't stop. Nora's an amazing woman and still we get messages from constantly and, and communicate with her. That journey was a 15-year journey. 15 years. Was it worth it all? Absolutely. When we step out, we get to see the miraculous. But it doesn't mean there might not be sacrifice. It doesn't mean that it will be an easy road. It means we get to step out and trust God to show up and do God-sized things. And we walk along the path that he leads, and sometimes it's difficult. But we cannot stop being obedient because of those things. We cannot let the world tell us no and, 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 and all the things we see. If we want to see more people like Nora enter the kingdom of God. And she's a, she's a, she's a gatekeeper to her community. And as a result of her testimony, sir, she's led multiple others to Lord. She's led family members. She's leading groups. It's amazing to see what she's doing.
but it's because God's people are faithful and said yes. So my question for us this morning is would you be willing to pray and ask God, what would you have me do? What would you have me do about this situation that we find ourselves in today where four in ten people have no access to the gospel? What would you have me do? Now before you pray that, let me warn you. Sometimes God answers in ways that you might not be excited about. So if you're going to pray that prayer, you've got to do so with, with just a willingness to say yes to whatever. He might move you to Indiana. That's sad. He might move you to Central Asia, which would be awesome. What would you have me do? Some of us need to pray. We need to be in prayer. And I know we pray. And I know it's a cliche thing to say, oh, I'll pray for you, kind of Christian thing we do. We say all the time, prayer is powerful. God moves when we pray. You're going to be back on again. When we step out and we say, yes, I'm going to pray and, 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 and let God do his thing, we see amazing things happen. <coughs> there was a season uh, towards the end of the time that we were serving overseas where the Lord was really nudging me to, to not just say, I'll pray for you, but to do it in the moment, to just say, okay, let me pray for you right now. And to this day, I've never had anyone, even in a Muslim context, say no to that. Well, I was uh, sitting in a tiny salon um, one day, had gone in, and, and as this lady was cutting my hair, there happened to be no one else in the salon that day. And as we do, we started chatting, and she began to share her story with me. And it was a tough one. Uh, in a country where family provided everything for you, all the connections that you needed, uh, she had no husband. She had an adult son and a daughter, um, who had no one to make the connections for them so that they could find someone to marry, so that they could get a job, and she was just hopeless. And as we, she finished up cutting my hair, I kind of swallowed back the awkwardness. The Lord's been working on this in me. Okay, could I pray for you? And so I did. I didn't think much more about it. felt good. Okay, Lord, I did the thing you wanted me to do. Uh, well, a few months later, time to get my hair cut again, and I called her up. And she was like, yeah, 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 come, come. There was something in it. She was really enthusiastic. So I get there, and uh, this time the salon was full. Six or seven other ladies, people sitting around drinking tea, blow dryers going. It was, it was crazy this day, and I kept waiting for it to get a little quieter so I could talk to her, and I didn't. Finally, I began, well, okay, we're just gonna, we've got to do this. So I asked her what had happened. She said, you know, last time you prayed that uh, my daughter would get a job and that my son would get engaged, and they are. Both of those things happened. I know what you pray for happens. Would you pray for me again? Got to love it when people who follow Islam faith are asking believers to pray for them in the name of Jesus. Amen? When we step out and we pray, God does amazing things. And we are called to pray. And I know, again, it's the thing we do, but would you be willing to pray and get on your knees in battle? Maybe you pray five minutes a day. Maybe God wants you to do ten. Maybe you pray an hour. He wants you to do two. I don't know. But when we pray, God moves. Missionaries can't go without people sending them, support them. You guys know this. You do this well. Faith, promise, giving. I would just encourage you, if you've never been a part of that, to step out. Because not only do you get to bless what's happening around the world, and these things happen because of that, God does something in and through you as well. It, it allows you to see, uh, like, again, step out in faith, letting God do the miraculous through you. If you've never participated in faith promise, I encourage you to do that. Just participate. Lord, what, what would you have me do? Maybe I can live sacrificially here. I'll give up that coffee. I'll give up that 
McDonald's, well, McDonald's is kind of holy. I don't know. Um, whatever it is that you have that's your sacred thing, maybe God wants you to give that up a bit so you can give more. What would you, what God, what would you have me do? And, and I want to say too, we need to send. What do I mean by that? We are seeing numbers going down. We're seeing the, the churches shrinking in North America, fewer and fewer people going as missionaries, fewer and fewer people going as pastors, even church planners in North America. But we're seeing fewer and fewer. There was a Barna study that came out recently, and one of the statistics really kind of hit me, and it was that 50% of Christian parents would rather their children have good-paying jobs than go into the ministry. 50%. And I understand as parents, we want to see our kids be taken care of and stable and successful. But if we're not willing to trust God with them, you think a, a stable job's going to do it? We've got to be willing to send our sons and daughters. We have to be willing to say to them, I see ministry gifts in you. I think you would be a great missionary. I see in you gifts that I think you would be a good pastor. We have to, church, we have to see those in our, com in our, in our, in our community here and call them out. And tell them, I think you should be a missionary. I think you should be a pastor. I think you should be a church planner. If they're not hearing it from us, they're certainly not hearing it from the world. And it's tough. It's tough. Because that might mean your son or your daughter might move halfway around the world. They might have grandbabies halfway around the world. And then you'd have to get on the plane and go visit them over there. Oh, that'd be sad. Her mom's first flight ever was from wherever, Denver, Colorado, to Germany on our way to visit us because they wanted to see, you know, when you move family away, it'll prompt people to go. But we've got to be willing to, to do that, and I know it's not easy. We've got to be willing to send. Who is the person that you know of that you think they would be a great missionary? Would you go tell them that? Would you go tell them? And some of us have to go, and we, we, we need more people to go, and whether you're, you know, young adult, whether you're middle-aged, whether you're, you know, second career looking for, whether you retire, whatever, God, what would you have me do? We could definitely use some more gray-haired people overseas. I mean, Muslim context, they love that. They have a thing called uh, Aksaka, white beard. It's respect. I didn't get the white beard until I came to America. I was like, it's too late here. But um, we, get, we had one guy come over once. He was a white beard pastor, and all the people were asking him questions. And he was like, I don't know what to say. And I was like, you just say what you want, and I'll translate whatever I want to say. Don't worry about it. Uh, I was like, the white beard says this. All the things I've been wanting to say worked great. But we need more people. We're working as an organization to try to create more opportunities. We have a NEXT program. It's geared toward young adults for cross-cultural internship experience. You can go two, two months in the summer or spring and fall. Take a gap year and go just to go and see what it's like to experience God in a different context. It's discipleship focused, so it's really all about how you can grow and hear from Him, what your calling is, what culture's like, community, uh, and all of those th aspects of that. We're starting to do more of global marketplace multipliers where people have job skills and they're like, I'm this job, I can, I can work from home or maybe I can work from this Muslim country and still do my job, but I can live in a place where they have no access and I can represent Jesus there. So maybe you have a job that you can work around the world or you can work from anywhere. We can help you go and do that. We want to empower the church to make a difference so that more and more people experience his love. And I know people will say to me often, you know, I can't do that. I don't have those gifts. I don't have those strengths. You don't know the difficulty I face. You don't know the health issues. You don't know the financial issues. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a missionary. I graduated with an elementary education degree. 
I taught third grade for two years. I was like, I got to do something easier. So I moved to the Muslim world. I'm just kidding. I love kids. And you guys are aware in 2015, I was diagnosed with multiple myeloma. The, the blood cancer, no cure. Went through the treatment, did a stem cell transplant, was on maintenance chemo for the next five years. I'm off that now for the last year. I've been, I still go in every month or two and do my blood work to monitor it and see how it's going. And, and you know, the cancer journey is horrible. I'm doing great with it, praise God. But at the end of the day, unless God does a miracle, I'm always happy for it. Just letting him know, you know. Unless he does a miracle, I'll probably go home earlier than I intended. And I want to see, you know, my kids grow up and move out. And stay out, no. I want to see grandkids. You know, I have those life things. I want, you want to see that life? There's longings in my life. But at the end of the day, I'm a child of God. I'm his disciple. Whether I've got five years or 50 years, I'm his and so I don't stand before you today as an elementary education teacher or someone who got saved at 19 as a heathen or, well, I am pretty much a heathen, but, or even a, as, as a cancer survivor victim, whatever it is, those things are part of my story, but they're not who I am. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I belong to him. You're disciples of Jesus. You belong to him. It doesn't matter what you're facing in your life, what's going on. You belong to him. Step out. Trust him and allow him to do the miraculous in and through you. Amen? We'd love to talk to you after the service. Feel free to come by and say hi and I'd love to hear your stories and what God's doing and talk to you. If you're interested in anything we talked about, we'd love to share more. But we so appreciate all you guys and what you've done and continue to do for mission. Let me pray. Lord, thank you so much for who you are and all you do. We love you, God. So grateful to be here today and to be able to connect with this group and uh, share stories about what you're doing and to give thanks for their involvement and in seeing people like Nora come to faith and now leading house churches in a Muslim context. We celebrate that today because your people are faithful, God. And I pray today, Lord, if, as you would give us the boldness and the willingness to say, Lord, what would you have me do? Whether that's giving or praying or going or sending Give us the strength and the courage to say yes to whatever it is. Lord, what would you have us do? And may we honor you in our obedience. We love you, Lord. We pray all this in your name. Amen.